0: How's everyone? great the message uh this morning I was struggling with what to to uh, call this um I was thinking about the unmasked christian and um, the ugly truth and and I came across a phrase that I thought you know this this is actually um very fitting and it's So the the title is Living in High Definition. Living in High Definition. And um, how many have a high definition television? Some do, some don't. Maybe you have a high definition television, but you haven't subscribed to high definition. So guess what? It doesn't do you any good. But but if you have, you know, I remember... Growing up, we had an antenna at the corner of our house. How many of you had one of those antennas? And it would take probably usually about three of us to get it right. Because if you change, like we had like three or four good stations, and, you know, one person would have to be in the TV room, one person would have to be at the door, the outside door, and then somebody would have to be actually physically turning the antenna. And it was always a... Fight to figure out who was going out and turn the antenna, and then you'd be turning it, turning it, and, and I still remember that ours would like just screech every time we'd turn it, you know. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, don't go there no, you went too far, back up. So you're backing up a little bit. All right, right there, right there, and then you start getting in the house. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. So it was a real privilege. And there's probably some of you here that, that remember what it was like before TVs. Got to be pretty old, but I mean, no, no. I remember the first TV that we got, the first remote control TV that we got. The remote was like, I mean, it was like this big and this fat. And, but it was great that you didn't have to actually get up, right? Turn the TV on. But now we have high definition and with technology being what it is um things have changed and and you know the, the great thing about high definition is what not only the 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 picture is much clearer but the sound I mean it's crisp I mean if you ever watch something in in high definition versus just standard definition there's a just a whole different experience and um you know, so the advantages are it's, it's crisp, it, it, it shows every detail with significant clarity. The disadvantage of high definition is it shows every detail with clarity. Even the imperfections, those people that are acting out on TV, they actually have wrinkles. They have, you know, stuff that you never saw on your old TV, black and white, that was, you know, fuzzy and you not have to worry about that. So just as high-definition television illuminates the blemishes and imperfections of those appearing on screen, living a high-definition life as a Christian can expose both our strengths and our weaknesses. Being transparent, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I think one of the greatest failures of the church is this thing, this this thing that we put on I mean we can be screaming at the kids 15 minutes before we get into church but when we get into church (laughs) we are doing good right life is good right but we have given a false impression of what being a Christian is really all about and um, so I just want to challenge you this morning that God I believe Wants us to be transparent. He wants us to be real. And um, that's a hard thing to do. We all know how to put on the various masks, depending on the company that we keep. If we're at work, we hide behind our title. Because sometimes, you know, our title validates who we are. You know, I'm vice president. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a specialist. I'm a loan specialist. Loan shark. I'm an expert, right? So we can hide behind that title when the true facts are sometimes we feel very inadequate and don't always have the answers for what it is that we're trying to do. As a parent, we avoid topics that point out our failures or frustrations. You know, we're the super dad or we're super mom, right? We don't like to talk about all the things that we have messed up on. And at church, well, I'm a good Christian, never admitting that I have sins and that I struggle on a daily basis. But the true fact is I can look out here right now, and there's probably very many people that are struggling right now with something. But yet, you know, we got it all together. But the ugly truth is being a Christian is a lot harder than we pretend it is. Did you hear what I said? Being a Christian, Christianity is a lot harder than we pretend it is. As Christians, we sometimes mistakenly try to compensate for God by presenting our faith as better than it really is. We cover up the ugliness and hardships of authentic faith. God never said it was going to be easy. Just because we come to know the Lord... Doesn't mean we're not going to have troubles and trials and tribulations. Doesn't mean we're not going to get hurt. In fact, sometimes I think the truth is Christians can be really mean. They can be downright miserable. Right? Betty's saying amen. No. But seriously, we're a human. The other day, I'm going down the road just, you know, Minding my own business, coming home from Troy, right before Dale and Murty's turn at 514. And all of a sudden, this Jeep passes me. Double line. I mean, this is like the craziest place to be passing. There's cars coming the other way. It's a couple young guys in a a Jeep passing me. I got a little upset. (laughs) I'm beeping my horn. I'm like, what are you doing? I got a little emotional. The Bible says be angry and sin not, right? But we try to, uh, surprisingly, many people don't reject Christianity because they've given up on God. Instead, they've given up on the people and things that represent God. They don't hate Jesus. They just have become tired of not finding him within the Christian culture because we're not willing to be real to people, we've put on this facade we've put on this who we think that we you know we need to be and we haven't given people a real impression of what being a christian is all about the fact that guess what i have weaknesses i have struggles and i think growing up in the church especially being a pastor's a pk Sometimes you feel like, you know, you've got to look like you got it all together. It wouldn't be right to any other way. And it's hard. And there's times when I say stuff. And in my, in my mind, I'm thinking it sounds like, you know, your fingernails going down a chalkboard. I'm like, ah, oh, I just, what does Paul say? Turn to Romans chapter 7. Verse 15, I do not, this is a verse that I, I love because it really represents so much the struggles that we have. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. How many of you can relate to that? It sounds like this war going on inside, right? I know what I should do. I know what I want to do. I know what I want to say. But the things that come out of my mouth are like fingers on the chalkboard. I mean, it just... It's abrasive, and you know I'm not being real. I'm just covering up who I really am. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making my captive and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God within my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Amen? So this is, this is, uh, you know, this is something that is nothing new for the Christian life while following Christ is beautiful and worthwhile, disappointment, pain, suffering, betrayal, and hurt are also a part of life. And Christians aren't immune from these problems. Following Jesus demands sacrifice. And unfortunately, we as Christians are afraid to admit that sometimes. It requires sacrifice. We bring the sacrifice of praise, right? It's not easy. And we assume that if people found out that things aren't all right within our lives, that our lives are chaotic, messy, and out of control. Relationships are broken, that we will scare them away. So we hide these things with the belief that we're glorifying God and protecting him from bad press. We don't want to give any God bad press. I mean, if we tell them the way it really is, you know, they might not like us. But as Christians, we need to start communicating reality, And start owning up to our mistakes and our failures and pains. We need to leave them. We need to leave room in the church for being angry, mad, scared, depressed, anxious. Instead of promoting the idea that Christians always have it all together. I think all too much we don't leave room for imperfections. And for the imperfect Christian. We don't know how to handle that sometimes. But the the reality is... That's exactly the way God wants us to present ourselves to him, is broken. So I want want to show this video, and it's it's a little longer than what we would typically show, but I think it really represents uh, what I'm trying to say here. So go ahead, Chad.
1: Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a... A masterpiece you know I mean maybe a Picasso it's like <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece I want to be everything he created me to be and so I go to him in prayer and I say dear heavenly father do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son make me your masterpiece in Jesus name I pray amen
2: hi whoa who are you I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. that's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky.
1: Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say?
2: Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting.
1: Oh. Okay, okay, if you're God, who's gonna win the World Series this year?
2: I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away.
1: You answered my question with a question.
2: I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm gonna make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm gonna use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay.
1: Oh, hey, God. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave?
2: Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk.
1: is God's original masterpiece.
2: Yes, you are.
1: And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original
0: masterpiece. I think as individuals, that's what we need to strive to be. but we're so afraid of letting people in to see who we really are. And um, when I watched that the first time, it really spoke to me because I know myself and who I am. And my wife reminds me that, you know, I like to please people. I care about what people think, sometimes to the fault of my family. And... um it's hard sometimes because you know you're you're worried about that, but you know at the end of the day, you know if you don't if you don't have your family, what do you have? And um uh, I love my kids with everything, and I love my wife, but I know sometimes that uh we're afraid. To just let God flow through us. And what would this church be like. If we would just encourage. People to be themselves. And that there's a place. To bring all your problems. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. But we need to be real. In 1 John. John. Chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. How many of us have deceived ourselves? And the truth is not in us. Luke chapter 8, verse 17 for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Eventually, the things that we have tried to keep a secret are going to be exposed. And it might not be exposed in the way that you think. Maybe you have a problem, as he said, with lust. Maybe you're looking at things that you shouldn't be. And maybe you think nobody knows. But then you begin to start looking at women or men or whatever it is in a way that you shouldn't. Or you start just having a relationship in a way that you shouldn't. You crossed the line. But why the cover-up? You know, as I was thinking about this, why the need to cover it up? Who we are? The first thing I got thinking about is why do women wear makeup? (laughs) Public service. (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) maybe some of us ought to wear more makeup. (laughs) Just doing everybody else a favor, aren't we? I like your honesty there. That's good. Why else do we wear makeup? To hide things, to color up our... Jim, do you wear makeup? Okay, all right. There's some people here that do. You know a friend. A few people. To hide our imperfections. Make us maybe more confident who we are, right? And there's nothing. I'm I'm not bringing that up to say, hey, there's a problem with, I got a problem with makeup. Too much makeup. Some people just like to get the old brush and just paint it on. Too much, a little too much. And it makes me think, what are they really trying to cover up? You know, some of those things that we look at as imperfections are really actually God's perfection in us. Those are the things sometimes that make us unique that we just maybe think, ah, everybody's going to look at that. The one person I have to think about is Cindy Crawford. What do we know about Cindy Crawford? She's a model. She's beautiful. What else? Huh? Astute businesswoman. She's a natural beauty. But what else? Jamie. She has a mole right here. I'm thinking, she's a model. Why doesn't she just get rid of that thing? Because I believe that's one of the things that's made her who she is. And I'll... Bet you, there's probably those out there in the industry that have challenged her, why don't you get that little thing there removed? You think? There's a lot of people out there that are going to pressure you to change and to be something that you're not. I saw an article yesterday, and I wanted to bring it, and I forgot, about Sadie Robertson. Sadie is Willie Robertson and um, Corey Willie and Corey Robertson of Duck Dynasty. It's their daughter, who's now seventeen, and she's on Dancing with the Stars, which I didn't realize. But if anybody's watched Dancing with the Stars, I mean, a lot of those dancers wear little to nothing, and. But she has been raised in a family that believes very strongly about modesty. And I think the headline was something like, Refuses to Compromise. And while there's so many out there, and I can name several, that have just completely lowered their standard about as low as they can possibly get. Because that's what they think, you know, everybody wants. Here's somebody that's completely at the opposite end of the spectrum that's saying, I am not willing to compromise who I am. I'm not willing to throw all that stuff on. You know, I think about David. When he went out to fight Goliath. He didn't need all that armor. That wasn't him. He couldn't fight with that armor. That armor was so heavy, he could barely move. I don't need this. All I need is a slingshot and a stone. That's all I need, right? We got to know who we are in Christ. But it all started in the garden. It's our natural tendency to cover up. After all, Adam and Eve did, right? To be vulnerable and transparent, you've got to be pretty grown up, and most of us are not. Our fears get in the way of keeping it real. Again, we care more about what other people think than who we are. For example, your son is failing high school. Your daughter just got a tattoo and your husband received a pink slip at work due to cutbacks. But your main concern is, what are the neighbors going to think? Anybody relate to that? All right, maybe not those exact situations. (laughs) But seriously, stuff happens. But we're more worried about what everybody else is going to think. We get mad at our kids because they embarrass us in public. We've raised these perfect kids that never fight, that love the Lord with all their heart, and they're in the grocery store. And they're just acting like monsters. And you're trying to act like a very good parent. Aren't they sweet? Get in the car. Wait till you get home. You give them that eye, like, How many have you gotten the eye before? Yeah, you know the eye, right? But we're worried about what everybody else thinks. The fact is, our kids aren't perfect. In fact, they have a way of just really humbling us sometimes. But how do we pray? Do we pray for the real self or the one that we let others see? When the real self wins, then we have transparency. We want to appear spiritual. To most Christians, spiritual is a term that we use to define Christians that pray all day, read the Bible constantly, never get angry. But what about the rest of us? What landed Jesus on the cross was the crazy idea that common, ordinary, broken, screwed up people could be godly. What drove his enemies crazy was his criticism of the perfect religious people, and his acceptance of the imperfect non religious people. How many times do we get offended? If 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 Jesus literally was here walking with us on earth, how many times would we get offended at the things that he does or did or would do? God, you only hang out with those people. Do you know who those people are? Seriously. You're gonna get a bad reputation. The fact is, he hung out with the messed up people. Maybe the truth is we're all a little messed up. A little bit dysfunctional. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you are one messed up dude. (laughs) Easy, easy, easy. Some of you have been wanting to say that for a long time. just an illustration right you are messed up spirituality is not a formula it's not a test listen to this it's a relationship it's not about competency it's about intimacy spirituality is not about perfection it's about connection it starts right now in the mess of our lives it's about God being present in the mess of our unfixedness. Say that together. Unfixedness. I don't know if it's a word or not, but it sounds good. Unfixedness. That thing is unfixed. It's about God being present in our mess. How many of you want God to be present in your mess? Thinking about who are the messed up dudes in the Bible? There's probably several that we can list. One of them maybe you don't think about is Noah. Everyone thought he was crazy, but he was a courageous man of faith who built a boat in the middle of a desert. People made fun of him. Because God told him it was going to rain. And it did. Then he got off the boat, he got drunk and got naked. This is the naked truth. (laughs) Right? That's the ugly side of Noah that nobody really wants to talk about. But he had problems, right? What about David? David was a man after God's own heart. But he had an affair. Not only did he have an affair, but what did he do? He then tried to cover it up and got her husband killed. How bad of a guy is this? This is a man after God's own heart. How would we treat David if he came to our church? Think about that. Probably have to be on probation for sure. Right? He certainly wouldn't be able to vote at the business meeting, that's for sure. <clears throat> There's probably a lot of us that shouldn't be voting at the business meeting, truth be known. So Jesus, he hung out with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the adulterers, losers of all kind. There's a peanuts cartoon. How many like the Peanuts cartoons? Starts with Lucy at her five-cent psychology booth where Charlie has stopped for advice about life. Life is like a deck chair, Charlie, she said. On the cruise ship of life, some people place their deck chair at the rear of the ship so they can see where they've been, and others place their deck chair at the front of the ship so they can see where they're going. The good doctor looks at the puzzled client and says, which way is your deck chair facing? Without hesitating, Charlie replies gl- glumly, I can't even get my deck chair opened. How many feel like that sometimes? Not about which way I'm looking. I can't even get the thing opened. We're clumsy, right? We've messed up, not once, not twice, every day, multiple times. But the fact is, we need to stop pretending. In many Christian circles, there is an unwritten rule. Pretend. Act like God is in control when you don't believe he is. Give the impression that everything is okay in your life when it is not. Maintain the image of a perfect marriage with well-mannered children when everything maybe is falling apart. Pretending is efficient. It's uncomplicated. It's quick. Answering fine to the question, how are you doing? How many of us done that? How you doing? I'm fine. It's great. Awesome. God is good all the time and all the time. It's much easier and quick than saying not very well. I'm sick. My kids are rebelling. I don't like the way I look. My husband never speaks to me. And I'm beginning to question my faith. Okay, that's not what I asked for. <laughs> it takes a lot more energy from the listener's standpoint, right? Okay, that's, you know. But the truth is, the minute That we stop pretending, we expose the pretending of everyone else. The minute we expose who we really are, the ugly truth, we expose and we stop everybody else because all of a sudden it's like, hey, they're real too. They got problems too. You mean I don't have to be perfect? To be a part of this church? Pretending is the grease of modern non-relationships. It perpetuates the illusion of relationships by connecting us on the basis of who we are not. People who pretend have pretend relationships. Think about Facebook. Facebook is a great place to pretend to be something that you're not. You see things all the time that, oh, it's just, I got a great life and this and that. And, and sometimes you can kind of see right through it. It's just a facade. I put all these things about all the good things that are going on and the kids when they're smiling and, oh, don't they look so cute? And I'm not saying there's not people being real there, but I think there's just a, a lot of temptation to to make it look like we have everything all together, when in fact we don't. I want to read Matthew 23, verse 23 and 27. I'm going to read out of the message. You're hopeless. You religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account, accounts, books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but on the meat of God's law, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look? Writing a life story that's wrong from start to finish. Nitpicking over commas and semicolons. You're hopeless. you religion scholars and Pharisees, fraud. You burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so they sparkle in the sun while the insides are maggoty with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisees scour the insides and then the gleaming surfaces will mean something. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers bright, but six feet down it's all rotting bones and worm eaten flesh. I want to leave you two thoughts in closing. When the unqualified are qualified. Walking by a pet shop on his way to school, a young boy stopped and stared through the window. Inside were four black puppies playing together. After school, he ran home and pleaded with his mother to let him have one of the puppies. I'll take care of it. We've all heard that, right? Mom, I will. If you can just give me an advance on my allowance, I'll have enough money to buy one with my own money. Please, Mom, please. The mother, knowing full well the complications having a new puppy would bring to a busy household, could not resist her son. Okay, you can get the puppy, but I will expect you to take care of it. Yes, Mom, I will. Filled with excitement, the little boy ran to the pet shop to buy his new puppy. After determining that the boy had enough money, the pet shop owner brought him to the window to choose his puppy. After a few minutes, the young boy said, hmm, I'll take that little one in the corner. Oh, no, said the shop owner. Not that one. He's crippled. Notice how he just sits there. Something is wrong with one of his legs, so he can't run and play like the rest of the puppies. Choose another one. Without saying a word, the boy reached down lifted his pant leg to expose a chrome leg brace to the owner. No, he said firmly, I think I'll take the puppy in the corner. It turned out that what disqualified the puppy from being chosen by others is what most qualified him to be chosen by the little boy. It's amazing how few of us believe in the unqualified grace of God. Oh yeah, God loves us as long as we're clean and whole and fixed. But it turns out that what disqualifies you and me from spirituality, the mess of our lives and our crippledness is what most qualifies us to be chosen by Jesus. He qualifies the unqualified. And the last thing is, A lot of times we think and we believe this myth that we have to fix ourselves before we can allow God to come in. How many of you had somebody maybe come clean your house? What do you typically do before the person comes to clean your house? We have to clean it because we don't want them to actually see this is how we live, right? you got to clean up the clutter. And I think that's kind of how we are with God. We think God isn't going to accept us in our messed up state. We've got to fix ourselves. We've got to get to a point in our life where we got it all together so that God will actually accept us. And the fact is, God wants you just the way that you are. God wants to show you that you need him. I need him. And we're all messed up. So let's just stand in closing. I just want you to bow your head for a minute. I really want to challenge all of us to be more transparent. And I want to challenge you that this place here, this altar that is here is for anyone that's bold enough to come forward and say, I'm a little messed up. I got problems. I got imperfections. But I want God in my life. I want God to rule in my life. I want God to deliver me. I just want to challenge you. If God is, you've just felt like Christianity has let you down. Religion has let you down. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that turns somebody else away from God because I wasn't willing to be real and I wasn't willing to be vulnerable. And I'm not saying you have to just get up here on stage and air out all your dirty laundry. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying I believe that God wants us to be real. He wants us to be transparent. He wants us to be able to go to somebody when we're having a problem and say, hey, I need help with this issue. As embarrassing as it might be, it's freedom. Being able to expose the things that we struggle with is freedom. God says, cast your cares upon him. Let's just pray right now.